through John 13 to 17. It's a private meal right now for his closest friends. This is the longest of the discourses and jam-packed with promises. There are four big discourses in the New Testament. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about the nature of the kingdom of God, one about the end of the age, and this one. And this one is really different because the others were public. This is his closest friends. It's private. Jesus' ministry is over because the nation has rejected him. What is the dominating emotion? The dominating emotion in the room is panic. Can you imagine? I mean, the disciples are seriously agitated, just very distressed. Think about it. Jesus has just predicted he'll leave them. He'll be arrested. He'll die. One of them is going to betray him. And he's told Peter he's going to deny him three times. This is the man that they followed 24-7 for over three years. He was everything. They gave up everything for him. And he was their leader. They thought he was the Messiah. Only a few pages back, they've been talking about which of us is going to be greatest in the kingdom, which they assumed was the kingdom on earth. And now, how can this man be the Messiah? This is the collapse of all their messianic expectations. For them, it's over, and not just over, but catastrophically over. And Jesus chooses this moment to say, verse 16, which is on, if you've still got your Bibles, it's page 1082. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. I have an amazing promise for you, right in the middle of your disaster. Now, if any of you are in the middle of a crisis, you're going through a terrible sickness, one of your relatives, you're having problems with relationships, um, money, jobs, whatever it is, we should prick up our ears when at that crucial moment for the disciples, this is the promise that Jesus gives. I will send you a counsellor, another counsellor, to be with you and help you forever. So one of the very important things in this is the word another. In England, in the UK, we have one word for another. It's another. But in Greece, in Greek, they had two. They had heteros, another as indifferent. So I go into a record shop. We don't have record shops, do we? I, I buy a CD. I go and listen to the CD. I hate the CD. I put it down. I really need a CD. So I'm going to go back to the shop and I get to buy another, a completely different one. That's heteros. And it is not the word for another here. The word for another here is alas. And that is, I go to the shop, I get myself a CD, I listen to it. It is so cool. I could sing this forever, I could dance to it, I won't. And then I'm going to buy another. I'm going to buy another for my best friend, exactly the same. And that's the kind of another. And Jesus is saying, I am going to give you another counsellor exactly like me. And what does that tell us about the Holy Spirit? First of all, he's a person like Jesus. He's not 
just a force or a power. He is a person. And the pronouns used, if you look at it um, the, 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 in verse 17, it says, the world cannot accept him. It neither sees him nor knows him. He calls him he throughout. He's a person. And wouldn't he have to be personal? Because the ministry that he has is so personal. It's comforting. It's helping. It's teaching. A force doesn't do any of those things. And what else does it tell us? Exactly like Jesus. Jesus spent the first part of this bit that we've um, read out, uh, no, last, last week's, uh, from 14, the, the beginning of chapter 14, there's a huge piece right at the top of the page where Philip says, who are you? We, we, where's the father? What's the father like? We don't know what the father's like. And Jesus says, look at me. The father's in me, I'm the father. So Jesus has already said right through the New Testament, loads and loads of times, he's indicated he's God. He's let people worship him. The Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. He is God. So he is a person and he is God with all the divine attributes. So what we're getting here is a taste of the Trinity. Now, we luckily, we just sang God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That's all I'm going to say about the Trinity. If you want to know any more, there's a man called Richard somewhere around here. Go to him. Really complicated, the Trinity. But basically, God in three persons is one God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So the next thing is, same verse, I'm focusing on verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. Counsellor. Now, the word actually used in the Greek is parakletos and it has such a rich meaning that translators have difficulty finding just one word to cover the full meaning. So depending on which translation you use, you might come against comforter, counsellor, helper, advocate. And advocate is a word that encompasses a great deal. So with the help of my legal friend, I'm going to talk to you a little about... Now, I have to say that John Dennis has a bigger head in a physical sense than me. So advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. So your advocate is always for you. He pleads your cause. He stands by you. You call him in. To what for? You call him in to plead a cause, to help in a situation where you can't cope. Holy Spirit, please come and help me. I can't cope. He's the prisoner's friend. And how can we be sure what an advocate does. Well, the key to understanding is look at your first advocate, Jesus. Exactly the same as Jesus, Holy Spirit. So there's a court. We are all in that court. We are all accused. We are all, in one way or another, moral failures. We're never going to be at the standard of God. So, as God is just, we are all condemned. But Jesus, still in heaven, represents us. He makes the case for us. He intercedes for us, debates. He's not pleading for mercy. This is really important. He's securing your datas as 
not condemned because that is the law. It's not like he's going, mercy, mercy. He's saying, it's the law, they're not condemned. It's as if Jesus and the Holy Spirit say this, Father, you are just. Sin does demand payment, but Jesus has already paid. Jesus already took this person's sin and paid the price. All your moral failures have been paid for. And it's unjust to get a payment twice. So therefore, I demand acquittal. It is a legal right. Justice demands no condemnation. So there is no reason to doubt. There is no reason to listen to your inner demons that say, I'm not worthy. That's not for me. I'm not good enough for God. The advocate says, you are. You are acquitted. In the eyes of God, we are legally righteous because of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the advocate. So when your heart tells you that, the Holy Spirit defends you against it. So he defends you against the accusations of others and the accusations that we tell ourselves, I'm not worthy, everyone else is worthy, I'm not worthy. That's wrong, that's just the lie, and the advocate says, listen to me. He also is your advocate against temptation. So occasionally, he may just briefly step over and be on the prosecution side. He's against you for you. And the reason I say this is he's helping you avoid temptation. So he'll just whisper in your ear, you know, that's love of money. Don't do that. Or, really? Really? You're going to gossip again? Really? Don't do that. So he is sometimes just steps to the other side to help us. So he is your advocate. And he will be with you if you go back yet again to 16, because verse 16 is unbelievably rich. I will ask the Father, he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. For the disciples... This was seriously massive because Jesus had been with them for three years and now he's going away. But the Holy Spirit was going to move from being in Jesus to being in the disciples and later on into us. I mean, if you really think about it, that is mind-boggling. So God, the Holy Spirit, is going to be in us as if we had room somehow and to jump ahead to the next two sermons probably I'm just going to cheat for a second the excitement is all that Jesus did he did through the power of the Holy Spirit and then all that the disciples did they did through the power of the Holy Spirit and all that we can do we can do those same things that Jesus did Jesus did them through the Holy Spirit The disciples did them through the Holy Spirit. We can do the same things Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit if we could just grasp the promise more fully and take hold of it. It's a phenomenal offer. And then the other verse I want to quickly look at is verse 26. The counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and remind you of everything I have said to you. This was crucial for the, holy, for the uh, disciples. Some of them were going to write the rest of the Gospels. They were going to write what we now call the Scriptures. And it was going to be written by the Holy Spirit. Because can you imagine, they're still in a panic when Jesus is saying all this. The chances of you remembering everything you're told when you're in a panic are not very good. But the Holy Spirit was going to remind them of everything. And they would begin to remember. And he does the same for us. And it says, all that I have taught you, that he's going to remind you of everything I have said. He's going to remind us of Jesus' words. So when we have a problem, I don't know if you've experienced this, I have experienced this, I'll just suddenly, I'll be going, it's okay, be still, or something else, you know, something Jesus has said, or something that I've read will suddenly come to me and it'll be like, yeah, okay, that helps me. And the thing about it is, the Holy Spirit is so humble because um, think of a floodlight. A floodlight shines on a building and it illuminates the building. The Holy Spirit is not talking to us about himself. He's talking to us about Jesus. And when you look at a building that is lit up by a floodlight, you don't look at the floodlight, you look at the building. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, we're more aware of Jesus because he illuminates Jesus. That's the job he has. And it's just extraordinarily encouraging. And the thing is, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the same as that of Jesus. Jesus provided all the wisdom, all the knowledge. He did all the teaching. He will teach us, the Holy Spirit with the same ministry as Jesus, will teach us how to pray, how to worship, how to be closer to God, how to avoid temptation. Everything that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will do. Well, I don't know about you, but if the Holy Spirit offers all those benefits, who would not want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I can only tell you that thinking of the disciples in their crisis... In one of the biggest crises in my life, I got through, through the Holy Spirit, when our grandson was born dead and was brought back to life, and we realized that eventually that he would live, but that he was going to be severely physically handicapped. I really, 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 really couldn't have done it if I didn't have the Holy Spirit helping me through, reminding me of things, holding me up, helping me somehow to stay near enough to God to actually draw down the riches of heaven. And any position that you're in that's tough, if you're trying to do it without the Holy Spirit, good luck to you, but why would you do that? So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, you believe you receive the Holy Spirit when you accept Jesus into your life, when you receive the understanding that Jesus died for you and that your sins are forgiven and you go, 
I need to follow this, this amazing Jesus. And you receive the Holy Spirit in the same way as Jesus, when he was baptized, there was a physical sign of the Holy Spirit. We just saw Nicole baptized, and we saw the water. We didn't see it, but the important part of that was the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first way. So if you haven't yet really come to Jesus and gone, I will follow you. I will follow you. If you haven't done that, that would be the first step. But if you have done that, if you are close to Jesus, if you're getting closer to Jesus, you can ask. You just ask. You literally ask. How do we know with confidence that this is the one prayer, well, there are many others, but this is one prayer in particular that we know with 100% confidence will always, always, always be answered because Jesus said this. He said, well, look, guys, you really don't understand about God, but if your child came up to you and asked you for fish when they were hungry, would you give them a stone? And they're all going, well, of course we wouldn't because we love our children and we want to feed them. And, and Jesus says, if you know, when you don't even know about God, you know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I would like now just very briefly... Um, I, uh, reminding many of you who heard um, Mike preach and showed us um, a little action prayer. I've used this little action prayer, which reminds me of the Trinity nearly every morning since I've seen it. It takes, like, no time. So I'm going to remind you of the action prayer, and then we'll just quietly do it very slowly together and just spend a few seconds on the last bit. And it's this, God is good, Jesus, nails in the cross, loves me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. So let's do that together. God is good, Jesus loves me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen.